0: The reading is taken from Romans 14, verses 1 to 23, and can be found on page 1140 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. Romans 14, beginning at verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they gave thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord, and give thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin." This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks very much indeed, Sue, for reading. Um, some of you are thinking, well, this will be interesting. Um, let's pray together, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, we pray for a humility on our own parts before your words, and that we pray for a glory on your part for your son. And that what we do, we pray humbly, would be glorifying to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now if you are with us for the first time, or you're visiting us, you're very welcome. We are in the middle of a series um, in this uh, particular season of the church's life called Call to Community, looking at Romans 12 to 16. This is the next part of it. We've been thinking um, about a number of uh, aspects over these past um, few weeks. Um, I I used to really dread... Halloween. When I was uh, uh, when I was the age of, uh, there are a number of platformers here, so kind of fourteen upwards. I used to dread Halloween. Um, When it came around, um, it was. uh, I grew up in a Christian home, as many of you know. Um, We didn't really do anything to do with Halloween uh, because that was kind of uh, who we were. Where I lived, it was a reasonably rough area, and so Halloween had a bit of an edge to it. So it was kind of, it, it wasn't the, the nice thing, and, and when it came around, I used to dread the thought that it would be uh, on a school night, so I used to dread the thought that it would be, be those who'd kind of ask, are you going out for Halloween, Are you gonna, you know, what are you going to get, what are you going to do, and so on. Um, and I used to sort of hope that we'd just leave the living room uh, lights off, and that we'd sort of you know, inhabit the back part of the house, and no one would knock the door. Um, so uh, a few years on, in our, my early 20s, uh, we, were, um, we got to know a number of American friends, and in fact, we've just had some visitors uh, here. Um, and you'll know that culturally, you might well know you may be American here this morning, they, they do Halloween very differently. Uh, it is, it's very family-friendly. These are Christian friends of ours. They're, he's a pastor out in the States. Um, they do Halloween. Uh, it's, it's lots of dressing up of superheroes and different costumes. They go about it in a different way. It op- occupies a different cultural space. And I remember talking with them and kind of going, Huh. I just instinctively, Halloween is something that I, I don't know. I just kind of back away from. But you seem to embrace it and love it. They were showing us photos of what their church did uh, just this year for, uh, for Halloween uh, in their neighborhood. But at the same time, in our um, early uh, 20s or so, it was the time at which, to take a different issue, Harry Potter was just being published. You know my love of reading, our love of books. They were coming out year by year. This is about 15, 20 years ago. And uh, I was avidly, we were avidly reading them and enjoying them. And at the same time, those same American friends really didn't want to read Harry Potter. And there was a kind of cultural thing over there. There were a number who said, no, we shouldn't be reading Harry Potter. It's not good. It's kind of a topic of witches. And, I, and do you see that you've got two things going on? And on the one part, here we are saying, I don't know whether we should be involved in Halloween. I'm not quite sure what the connotations are as Christians. And they're going, no, it's great. It's good fun. We enjoy it. And then me saying, have you read the latest Harry Potter? It's really exciting. They're going, I'm just not sure whether we should get involved in that. It's interesting, isn't it? The mix of those two, where you come from and what you take into. you. This passage is fascinating. It's interesting. A lot of what I'm going to do today is push out some stuff to you that you're going to need to take away and process, Okay. Um, not that many sermons kind of offer you glib answers, but you need to, I'm going to push out some stuff your way. You're going to need to think through some of this. And a lot of what we're going to do is going to focus on the early verses, because I think if we can get the early verses right in our minds of what's going on and what Paul is addressing, some of the rest of it will fall out, and you may need to do some work on that as we go. Um, I'm talking this morning, and what I want to kind of share with you is I've called it true gospel Welcome. The word accept in verse 1, accept the one whose faith is weak. Uh, It comes up at a couple of points later on. Um, Accept uh, 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 one another. It's more than just tolerate. It's more than kind of grudgingly put up with. It's welcome. It's welcome that person and who they are. In the same way that if you you welcome somebody into your home and you had them in your home, presumably you don't just kind of go on leading your life um, as you normally do, and kind of grudgingly tolerate that they're there. Or if you do, then, you know, it's maybe something you want to work through. But um, if you welcome somebody, you, ad- you adjust, you welcome, you bring in somebody, and you adjust according to their, uh, who they are and their cultural habits. And he says, without quarreling over disputable matters. Um, now, we are, just, just to let you know, this thing is kind of flashing red at me, so I don't know whether that's a problem or not. Um, Maybe it's just saying, abort your sermon uh, now. um, uh, Tell me if I need to switch it off. Um, uh, um, Disputable matters are matters of conscience. Um, They're something where the Bible, the scriptures don't um, expressly uh, command it, nor do they forbid it. Um, so it's quite important we understand what we're talking about here. So something that God hasn't said, you, I command that you do do this, or, or this is forbidden. So it's a disputable matter, a matter of conscience. And what he identifies are, he calls them the weak, and then in the start of chapter 15 he refers to the strong. But the, the comparison is useful to have all the way through. The, uh, the weak and the strong. And so in one sense we need to take on board that there are the weak and there are the strong in faith. Now what does that mean? It's not saying that um, the weak in faith have less faith and the strong in faith have have more faith. Nor is it saying that there are those who um, aren't really Christian and those who are. It's not saying those things. It is talking in some measure about um, freedom and conviction of the freedom that you have in the gospel. So those who have more or less conviction about the freedom that you have in the gospel. Um, let it if I put it to you like this um, in here, so the the weak in faith might well say that where I come from and my background, my culture says that I, I should or i shouldn 't do this that 's just the, the kind of in, the conscience, the instinct that I have says that I, my background says it 's just i, I, I kind of can 't get on board with that I, Whereas those who are, uh, we call, strong in faith, according to Paul here, would say, well, no, no, in Christ, wonderfully now, we're free from that. So we don't need to worry about that anymore. That's great. So do you see the distinction that we've got here in these opening verses? So the example he has, particularly through this, is to do with eating meat. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, um, uh, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So... For whatever reason, the, the, um, the weak in faith says, Look, my background, particularly in this context, we've said that it's a Jewish and a Gentile mixed church. So the Jewish people may well have said, Look, just, we, we grew up with the Old Testament scriptures. And we kind of, that's just a culture, it's the habit that we, have. I, we love that. And, and so I don't want to eat this kind of meat. It's just not something I can find myself doing. Whereas you've got the Gentiles who so kind of go, Well, we didn't. Ever have that, and so everything is available to us. So that's fine. And you see those two, those kind of distinctions between them. But your background matters to you, so it's worth knowing and noting that here in Romans, that's probably the kind of situation. In Corinth, there's another point where Paul addresses this, and it's almost the other way around. So, the Gentiles who had come out of a pagan background where they'd been worshipping at temples and eaten meat that was sacrificed to idols, they are the guys going, Do you know, I, I've come back, I've come out of that now. And I've, every time we kind of eat meat in that way, I really feel like it's dragging me back there. And so I don't want to eat meat. So, it's the Gentiles who say, I, You know, I, I just don't think I should eat this kind of meat that's sacrificed to idols. Whereas the Jews who don't have that background in Corinth may well be saying, well, it's not us, we, that's not the background we have, so we're fine, so you can eat. So do you see, your background culture matters to where you come from and where you got to and what you're saying. I've been around long enough, um, as you know, some of you have to, um, to know there are lots of issues like this that swing into view. Okay? Um, let's get Interesting. Um, Some of these have swung into view, some of them have swung out of view. Some of them are cultural, some of them are more British than others. Halloween, I mentioned earlier. Uh, Whether or not, uh, kind of what you make of Harry Potter. Um, That's an interesting one. Um, 18 certificate films, whether you would see an 18 certificate film or not. uh, Whether you would see a 15 certificate film or not. See, the point at which you inside kind of go, oh my, what, really, is that an issue? That's when you're on one side of the line. And if you're there kind of going, yeah, seriously, I can't do that. So you're on the other side. Uh, alcohol, and whether you would drink alcohol or not. Uh, how you use social media, which platforms you would or wouldn't use and why. That's kind of a more recent one. Uh, an even more recent one. Children and mobile phones. Uh, do you give them to them or not? At what age and what parameters and what, in, in what way? And where, do they, where are they allowed to use them and when are they allowed to use them? It's so one of the presenting ones. I don't think there's a verse in the Bible. <laughs> Christians, um, uh, Christian schooling or homeschooling or whatever in the spectrum that there is. From, from, and that, that, you know, I remember a few years ago, it was a big thing. Um, these kind of things swing into view and out of view. How you vote politically. It was interesting meeting some Americans and the perception that they had uh, from uh, the UK that they would all be voting in a particular way and those who didn't vote in that particular way. And it was, it was interesting them kind of navigating what that looked like over here. Um, and then three big historic ones. And these are different, slightly, and complicated. Um, worship and music styles. Liturgical styles. Uh, baptism. We have baptism this morning. Um, and church government, I mean by that how you organize a church, how you oversee it, how you structure it, um, uh, who and how, and the degree to which you need ordained or not ordained people, and so on and so forth. Now, these are these are trickier. Do you notice the first set are more um, personal and individual? And they are, and, and I'll talk a bit later about why I, th- I think they're probably easier to run through this grid that Paul is laying here. Um, These ones, why are they trickier? Because at some point with these, you have to take decisions at an institutional or organisational level. A church, a denomination has to take decisions. They get more complicated. You can't just all operate exactly the same way individually. Um, uh, As Ollie will know, sorry to mention you, Ollie. At some point, we have to sing something on a Sunday morning. (laughs) We can't all just come and sing whatever we want to. Ollie does a fantastic job uh, uh, here at Platt in, in bridging a, uh, you know, a great deal. Okay. These early verses, we'll stay, stay with them. Um, the rest, don't worry, will fall out quite quickly. But um, if you've got that in your mind, there is a natural attitude that the, the strong and the weak have that Paul identifies here. So um, have a look with me at uh, verses 2 and 3. So he, he sets this up, the, the, the weak and the strong. Verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. So that's the strong mustn't uh, um, treat with contempt the one who doesn't. And the one who does not eat everything, that's the, the weak, must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. And there is a natural, instinctive attitude that he's kind of saying. If you fall into that camp on a given issue, and you might be in either camp on different issues... But if you fall into a camp in a given issue, let's take the, uh, we'll run through with the weak first of all. This is the kind of natural default attitude that we can have. The weak to the strong is to judge them, says Paul. He says, the thing that you will do instinctively is you will judge that person. So the person who, who doesn't want to um, uh, eat uh, certain kinds of meat and sees the other one who does, and he kind of judges them, uh, or she judges them, and says, you're in spiritual danger. See, you're doing something that's going to lead you. It's a slippery slope. It's going to lead you down this path. You don't realize you need to be kind of tighter and and more controlled and careful. It's to judge them. It's it's to kind of look at and pronounce, see, you're wrong. The strong, the natural attitude of the strong to the weak, um, it's the phrase to treat with contempt. So it's to dismiss them. So the person who eats all the meats that uh, is available, and, uh, and the person who doesn't, well, it's your problem, not mine. And can't you think for yourself on this? Are you, are you still in the trappings of where you were before? Have you not broken out of that yet? See, the instinctive attitude, he says, is that either side on, on a given issue will either instinctively judge the others, you know, you're in danger, you're, you're, you're kind of you're on the rocks, or the strong will dismiss them, and oh, look, I don't have time for this anymore. We've moved on. And what follows out of that, and if you imagine what Paul's teasing out here, is just for a moment, imagine what that feels like to be on the, on the receiving end of those. So, Jez, I wonder if my, has my table gone? Don't worry. So to be on the, the receiving end of those, how do the weak feel? When, when given that dismissive attitude, the person who is, you know, is unsure about eating meat, the weak in faith, how they feel is typically, I guess, don't you even care about me at all? Don't you care spiritually about me, about my well-being? I don't feel I can do this. I can't go that far, and you, you're kind of dismissing me. Do you not care about me? And the strong, how do you think they feel when they, they run up against this, this kind of, you're in spiritual danger, it's a slippery slope? The strong may well typically feel, I, I th- do you think I'm not really a Christian, don't you? Because I'll do these things and you won't. And you kind of think, mm, I doubt you're a Christian. That's, and you, see, you feel like, do you see the feeling on either side? These early verses here, you get all of this right, the rest will, will follow out. He is saying there is, there is a work amongst the community of faith, the church, people of God, to welcome one another. And, and this true gospel welcome, it is really real and personal. So these are the issues, some of which will be from your childhood and you've grown up with and they are real and they are personal and you find yourself on one side of an issue and not only does it kind of create an instinctive response in you towards others, it also creates this kind of, you know, you you get something back from those on the other side and you can feel diminished on either side of these lines. So, we'll go on. True gospel welcome. If we're going to do this, then it takes hard work. Um, and it takes thought. Um, and Paul uh, we'll runs through some of the arguments in the next um, few verses. Um, and we'll, I'll just highlight what they are. And then, can I encourage you, if we get that early stuff right, to take them away and then just kind of process them through in your own minds and think about some of the issues, those hot button issues that uh, you might need to process. Um, I think the, two pa- the, the rest of the passage kind of breaks down. He, he largely seems to be addressing the weak, first of all, um, in, uh, let's pull this up, the weak um, in verses 4 to 12. Um, he largely seems to be addressing the strong in verses 13 to the end. And what do the weak need to do? Verse um, uh, 4 onwards, and it kind of highlights it in verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master, servant stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Do you remember I said the weak? They're typically they'll judge, um, uh, they'll condemn, uh, denounce the strong, you're on a slippery slope, um, and he says, who are you to judge? And what do the, the weak need to do? On a particular issue, you don't need to judge. You don't need to judge. Do you know, it's not your place. It's not my place. We don't need to judge one another. That's the place of God only. And actually, the main point that he makes here, um, he says, first of all, just at the end of verse 3, he says, for God has accepted them. We don't need to judge because, see, God has done the accepting. So if God has said, I welcome you in on the basis of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins um, and justification in him, on that basis, I've welcomed you in. So you, you don't need to suddenly step into the shoes of God and go, I'm going to decide whether you are in or not. You don't need to do that. We all stand before God as judge. He kind of—that's what he unpacks in these verses. So he uses the um, uh, the example, particularly of also um, festival days or sort of sacred days in verses five um, onwards. So whoever regards one day, verse six, as special to the Lord, as special does so to the Lord. If you eat meat, if, you're, if that's the issue, you do so to the Lord. Um, if you abstain, you do so to the Lord. Um, as he goes on, verses nine uh, through twelve, it's. Um, It's a kind of summary. um, Why do you judge your brother or sister? We'll all stand before God's judgment seat. Verse 10, um, uh, he quotes um, uh, the Old Testament. uh, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give account of ourselves to God. So what the weak need to remember is you don't need to be the judge. That person stands before God themselves. Um, uh, Lots of... uh, Drama in the past you know, couple of decades has been about the West Wing in America and uh, the White House. Lots of exciting dramas get uh, made. And uh, the, you know, there's been around a for a while, there's often a scene in these kind of dramas where somebody kind of comes forward and says, um, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Um, you know, it's a very sort of stirring moment. I don't know if we do that in the UK. I don't know if people wander around in 10 Downing Street saying, I serve at the pleasure of the prime minister. Um, So, um, but there's that moment where they're kind of saying look actually whatever else happens I stand before you and you're the person that I I am accountable to and that is what he's reminding them he's saying that you don't need to be that judge he does say in verse 5 to the weak in faith particularly I think you should be fully convinced in your own mind so just think carefully about our own position on something have we read the scriptures lately on it? Have we tried to tease out what we think is biblically wise? What does does the Bible actually say? Or doesn't it say anything about this? And then what is wisest for me? And what I don't... Am I going against my conscience? So he's saying that you've got to do some of that work to figure out what you think? And are you just working off the back of where you were in the past? Because one of the interesting things in this passage is obviously that Paul identifies himself largely with the strong on some of these issues here. So he is working for the maturity of everyone. And he's saying, do think it through. Keep that active and alive, wrestling. Um, it takes hard work, the strong, in uh, the second half of the passage, um, uh, he then moves on to them. So therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, um, I think particularly addressing the strong now, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Um, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. And if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. So what is it the strong in faith on a particular issue need to do? They, just, they need to not dismiss your brother or sister. That natural attitude that says, get over it, move on. It's your problem, not mine. You just need to not do that. And whatever the issue is, remember, in um, verse uh, 15, don't by your, by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. This is somebody who Christ bought with his blood. This is somebody who God cares about deeply. Don't dismiss them. It's not your job. It's not my job. And don't cause them to sin. And it takes thought and care. Don't do something that kind of causes them to go against their conscience and causes them distress. I guess the example that comes out of this is there's, a, there's mention of drinking and whether that was alcohol. And you can imagine that in our setting now, if someone says, look, just get over it, you're fine, you can have alcohol, you don't need to worry about it. And they do, and at the very least, if they do, and then they do so kind of feeling guilty or ashamed, perhaps culturally in some way, what have you done that kind of stain their conscience? So that is the, what the weak need to do, what the strong need to do. He unpacks uh, uh, finally in those, those final paragraphs. Let us make every effort to do uh, what leads to peace and mutual edification. That's mutual building up. Um, don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. He's saying the work of God, I think, is the maturing of all of us as disciples and believers. Don't, don't undermine that and, and destroy it. Um, lastly... This gospel welcome, if you see it, imagine for a moment that you saw a church congregation and that this was at work. And strong and weak on any given issue were outdoing one another to try and work to support one another. That would be evidence, wouldn't it? That God is bringing in his kingdom. That he is making a new people under his son who, who relate to him first and then one another through him. Wouldn't it be a powerful picture of a gospel community and a witness in a fractured world and a divided world. Um, what have I said? Most of these, I, I think particularly through here, are are, are they're often traditions and things that have come from where we are past and our background. I think it is worth bearing that in mind. Um, I suggested earlier that that's why some of those are more complicated. Some of those big ones that end up having to make institutional decisions about. It's tricky because you've got to make big decisions about how something is going to work. Lots of them here, eating, drinking, all these, and the list that I put up first, of all are they're kind of individual ones that often we're shaped by where we've come from. And I think in what Paul is saying is you kind of bring these things together. The way this, this gospel community will work, the week. So, if they're, if they're working in this way rightly, if your vision for how gospel community is done, the weak can't blackmail a church. So, what that means is you can't make everything a matter of conscience. So, we can't do that, it's a matter of conscience. Can't do that, it's a matter of conscience. But the strong can't railroad a church, i.e., they can't make nothing a matter of conscience. Doesn't matter, on we go. See? A gospel community, it's finely balanced, what Paul is talking about here. It takes hard work, it takes nuance, it takes thoughts, but it's to be reasoned out. And just look with me at verse 17, and we'll finish with this verse. His vision, I guess, is for this is how God is bringing his kingdom in. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. He's saying, look, do you see actually our test for all of us is am I doing this in such a way that uh, righteousness, that's right relationship with God and others, that peace and that joy flow out so that I'm not coming every Sunday or midweek or whatever it is to to my gospel community, my church, bitter and railing against this particular thing or making everything political and that it must be my way or no way. Uh, the two questions I will leave you with are these um, on any given issue and there'll be, you know, there'll be many that I haven't covered and that will be presenting in your minds where am I on this issue and why? have I thought it through recently? have I looked at the scriptures? have I wrestled with where I've come from and my culture and my background have I owned that? and how can I welcome others? how can I do this work of welcoming others? Can, and it only comes if you can grasp where you are then you see how you might relate to others in the Lord's. I said I was going to push a load of stuff at you. Um, Happy Sunday afternoon. Let's pray together, shall we? (laughs) Heavenly Father, we pray for your grace and your mercy. What a wonderful thing gospel community is, and what a powerful witness it is. Um, Lord, we thank you so much for the ways in which you are at work in us, in your spirit, and we see this. Um, in lots of ways uh, across our church life. And Lord, we pray for this uh, this kind of vision. Uh, Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit amongst one another uh, as we live and serve you. Amen.